if you can isolate the people who you're going to have the most wild variances on the data with and segment them out and send to them separately for your regular campaigning, that's probably one of the best ways that you can prepare for the changes that are coming. The best way that we can make sure that we're keeping some solidarity with the data that we can control is by just segmenting out the Apple users from the other providers from the rest of those inbox providers, you'll be getting clean data from them. And then you can safely assume that the data from that other segment is going to be much less reliable, but also containable. Order Groove's subscription platform enables merchants to rapidly scale recurring revenue, deliver a superior subscriber experience, and maximize subscriber lifetime value. Leading merchants utilize Order Groove's powerful tools, promotions, and AI-powered personalization to drive subscriber enrollment, optimize subscriber retention, and increase average order value. Visit ordergroove.com DTC to request a complimentary audit of your existing or future subscription program. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. I'm Eric Dick. It is Friday and today I am very lucky to be with Julian and Dylan from the Pilot House email team. Uh, and we, you know, as the leaves, I look out my window and I can start to see some yellow leaves. Like we're in the waning days of summer here. And so as any good marketer, our minds turn to Black Friday, Cyber Monday preparation. And uh, Julian, if you want to start us off here, what are some of the things, what, you know, what's the tactic that you're employing right now with some of the clients at Pilot House um, to maximize um, our lists headed into Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Yeah, so one of the one of the things that um, that we're really excited to be rolling out with uh, with some of our clients is actually a list growth strategy that we're looking to implement about like once or twice a year. Uh, the first time being at the end of uh, the first quarter, and then uh, now obviously prep for Black Friday. We want to get that list size as high as we can, um, and make sure that we're we're able to reach as many people with our messaging as possible. So one of the ways that that we're going to be testing pre-Black Friday messaging is going to be uh, building a, a giveaway contest uh, to promote list growth um, and audience growth within the email program for them. Is this something we have done before at previous times of years with other clients? Yes, it is. Yeah. Nice. One, one of the things with contests that I'm interested in is when we've run contests in the past, sometimes when you're acquiring users um, with the incentivization of a contest, sometimes their value is, is less so than people that weren't acquired through that incentive means. What, what have been the results that you've seen from these users who come in under the, the pretense of a contest? Yeah, so it, it's definitely a consideration, um, and and you have to kind of take the growth with a grain of salt, so to speak. But some of the metrics that that we were pretty surprised to see and, and happy to see is that, um, well, one of them not not a metric so much, but um, on the front end of things, uh, because obviously we work with with multiple uh, different teams within Pilot House. You know, there's the traffic teams as, as well as the uh, as our side of things. Um, one of the things that we found that was really, really cool is that uh, specifically for one of our clients, we were able to have really, really, um, really good profitable prospecting ads running to the contest lander. So in, instead of taking a loss to get these people onto the list, we we're actually monetizing uh, and making money off of those ads. Um, now the other the other things that that stood out from um, from this uh, project was that we actually had a, a you know a very very high conversion rate on the lander, uh, which was I think forty five percent on on in, uh, in speech, 
Um, and we actually grew the entire email list for a particular client by, by 15%. Now, in terms of quality of those, uh, of those new list members, 9%, uh, we had a 9% growth rate on the subscriber base. So the, the contest for this particular um, partner was, was built around um, a subscription, a one-year subscription to one of their products, or actually, I think, two of their products. Um, and we ended up adding almost 10% growth to that subscriber base in just over a month and a half. And then the other really, really uh, interesting little, little tidbit of data there is actually that uh, that list that we, we, we segmented these people, created our own list for them uh, to sort of mitigate, you know, the, the, what you would call like the list fidelity or, or, or the potential for them to be kind of low quality. And we've actually found, we actually found that they had a 7% placed order rate just from that list alone, um, which is, which is really impressive. Are you saying that you were ended up being revenue positive on the contest entrance just from that 7% order rate? Yes, that is quite interesting. And I, and I noticed, I think one, one big thing that, that, that keeps the quality high in this case is that the thing that you're offering is the product, is more of the product. Like if you were like a Tesla, if you were going to say, you know, we're offering a Tesla or a MacBook or you know, something <laughs> massive that's unrelated to the product, that's not going to be your best strategy because then you're going to get a bunch of, you know, people that are just in it for the prize. But in this case, these are people, you're, you're attracting people who are hyper loyal to your products. Absolutely, yeah. Can you actually just walk me through like the actual contest strategy. This is something, cause I know that there's a little bit here and there you, you first of all, you come up with the prize, making it related to your product, obviously a great call. Um, you say, enter this, like how, how long of a period do you run a contest for? What's the general investment that people should look at? Start there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I can definitely run through the outline of, of how we structured it. And I think it can be very variable, um, you know, depending on your product offerings, depending on whether you want to be uh, exclusively offering your own products. Um, one of the things that that uh, we're really excited to try uh, in the next few contests that we run is is doing cr cross promotion with other brands as well. Getting getting our partners to reach out to brands that are not in a competitive vertical but have like a similar um, sort of ethos to their to their brand. So you know, like if for instance, if you're in the health space, finding other uh, health companies that you can cross promote their products with. And leveraging the list growth for for both parties as well as the um, exposure, uh, but like from a top down perspective, the offer for the contest is the most important part. If it doesn't have that wow factor, it's just you're never going to get the traction that you need on it. Um, so you want to make sure that the offer is good. You can do things like a full range of your whole products. Uh, you can do a larger bundle that isn't necessarily just your product, but also has some sort of element of it included or sort of cross pollinates with your product. Limited edition. Yeah. You know. Limited edition or some, and uh, if you're, uh, if you're thinking of doing like a product launch in the near future, this can be a really, really good opportunity. You could give it like early access to this product launch for these winners. Um, so there's a, a whole bunch of different ways you can think about the prize itself and how uh, you're going to create value with that prize. And then another another key sort of point that I would I would want to mention is that if you only have you know the winners be the the people who get the prizes, it can it can be a little bit hard to keep engagement running. And to your point on timeline, I think our last one was about a month and it was it was about a month and a half that we actually ran the contest for, and we did notice you know a rather large drop off in engagement 
on ads pages and um, email response after about a month and a week. Uh, so we wrapped ours up in the following week and tried to clip off that uh, lowering engagement rate. So I would say a month to a month and a half is probably the absolute maximum you would want to do. Um, but that really just depends on how much you're putting into uh, to pushing people through that funnel and getting your, your paid media out there as well. Just kind of uh, wheeling that back for a second to the actual offer or, or what's being um, actually given away. It's a perfect opportunity to just test, right? Like you, you can split test that, you can run five different offers, run a minimal amount of, of ad spend towards that and whatever has the highest opt-in rate. It's not indicative of what's going to have the highest conversion rate for the, the opt-in post giveaway. But if one of your prizes has an opt-in rate of 38% and one of them has 21%, then that's a pretty clear indication that nobody's interested in the 21%. Totally. Right. So uh, what I would do is kind of close that offer down. I would just give people that product. You know what I mean? Select some people, some winners early on that list so that at least we're being honest um, and then run with a 38% and try to split test from there. I so. love it. And and the central mechanism here for, for people listening as well is once you announce the contest winners, um, you also then message everyone else who applied with something, a consolation prize or something like a discount or something to say, Hey, you didn't win the prize this time, but here, you know, here's, here's this great consolation prize. And that's where a lot of the sales come from. I imagine, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really, you know, the, the monetization of the whole process really happens there, right? Because you get, you get a much, much higher volume of people who, uh, who will be, you know, looking for some sort of, uh, some sort of deal, some sort of prize after, you know, giving you their information. So you really have to deliver on something else, uh, for the people who don't get the, the large prizes. And, and you're obviously building that list, but that doesn't stop the, the list building stops at the end of the giveaway, but the monetization of the list doesn't stop at the end of the giveaway. So if you build 2000 opt-ins, you have a 2000 person list that you can just continually follow up with. Yes, they may be, uh, may have lower engagement rates as time goes on, but you're still driving these people to a relevant offer with targeted advertising. They're going to be kind of, uh, maybe not yet ambassadors of the brand, but they're fans of the brand for sure, uh, which you're offering your own product. So they're obviously fans. Um, so the conversion rate over, let's say the next two or three months, as you follow up, just put them into a flow, 10 emails across two months, everything's done ahead of time and it, it can just print money from there. Right. So, um, there's, there's a lot of people that'll do a strategy like this and stop as soon as the contest is over, they, they mail it out, they mail once and say, this is the winner. These are the other winners. If you want the same product or something similar, then click here and that'll be the extent of it. And they'll never email them again. You're already paying to have them in your, your Klaviyo account, your MailChimp account, active campaign, whatever it is, you may as well email them, right? Get some ROI on it, um, above what you've already obviously gotten. So, and by that, do you mean just adding them to all your regular flows or continuing to message them on a separate track that's somehow related to the contest? Yeah. So I would say I would have a flow built specifically for the contest. So it would be a completely separate list. Um, and then I would probably just put a time delay on it until after the, um, the winners have been announced. You could make the first email on that flow, the announcement of the winners. Uh, and from there stack 11 emails across 
11 is such an obscure number, 10 to 15 emails, let's say, across the next two, two and a half months, right? You're going one email a week for the next two and a half months. And as far as actually campaigning for them, I wouldn't uh, myself, unless I was having like a product launch or something like that, I wouldn't necessarily send campaigns to them while they're in that flow because they're they're continuing along that narrative that you're building. Um, but as soon as they come out of that, I would message them independently of my main list, so that way I can track engagement rates. Uh, but there's no reason not to message them. So and so to be clear, like, do you open up these contests to your existing list? Or are these just for net new users? Yeah. So we we do uh, we do both. Yeah. We we uh, encourage our existing users to refer people to the, uh, the to the lander page as well. And with a 45% conversion rate on your landing pages, you did run some budget. You, you worked with the traffic team and ran some budget to this. Were you, do you know if they were targeting just, are they targeting warm users or are they going straight into cold traffic via lookalikes and, and things like that? I believe the bulk of the advertising dollars spent was for prospecting. And do you know approximately what sort of cost per lead we're getting for that? I don't know the cost per lead, but I, uh, I do know that it was, it was generated at a positive ROI on the, on the ads. To the sales. Yeah. So cool. And so now you're packaging this opportunity up for, for other clients to say, Hey, let's really bolster our list. Here's, here's how it works. Uh, seems, seems like a, like a no brainer for people out there headed into, you know, this is not something you would necessarily want to be doing d- during Q4 as much when costs are all you know going to, going to continue. It seems like now's the time for this really. And, and another, another quick point that, that we didn't really cover is also that it, um, the engagement rates for the flows and for the emails that we sent, um, you know, through the account were huge and uh, leading into, you know, a very, very, uh, a very busy um, season where inboxes are very crowded, uh, getting that deliverability and that sender's rep um, as pristine as you can in the, in, in the months prior to sending all of your Black Friday, Cyber Monday messaging um, we think has a, has a major advantage, you know, getting those engagement rates up, building uh, some sem- sender rep implications, uh, and then capitalizing those uh, on those for your promotional messaging for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. DTC Podcast is brought to you by Trust, the community-powered corporate card built for your marketing investments. The Trust team spent years building Snap's ad platform, and now they're helping DTC businesses grow smarter. With Trust, you can get 45-day payment terms, up to 20 times higher credit limits, and there's no founder liability. You also get access to the latest investment trends across the major ad platforms, so you can invest with more confidence. It's free, and right now, Trust is extending a special offer to the D2C community, 60-day payment terms, and a $500 credit. Visit trust.co slash partner slash D2C to learn more and start growing your business in good company. We were in the pre-talk chatting about the other big issue looming for email marketers with, uh, you know, on the on the traffic side of things, we've been all living in the post iOS 14.5 world, um, losing data fidelity, you know, moving to higher ecosystem ROAS, um, realizing how important it is to own your list uh, more and more. Um, with those kinds of changes. But now we're talking about iOS 15 uh, and that has direct implications uh, to how we, we we look at performance on the email side. Dylan, do you mind giving us just like sort of a, give our listeners like a high level overview of kind of what's happening with iOS 15? Yeah, so basically from, from our standpoint, we're going to lose the ability to have any like surface level metrics. So opens or anything like that, um, those deliverability metrics are going to be gone. 
In um, what time frame are we seeing any? Are we seeing any that already? Or is it, I know it's supposed to start at the beginning of September. We really don't know yet, right? Yeah, we haven't we haven't really seen it yet. We've been monitoring it loosely. Um, when you see it, it's obviously going to be pretty dramatic. So you're going to know when it hits, uh, much like you know Facebook. Um, but yeah, basically what we're dealing with is that Apple is going to be preloading every email that goes into their app, uh, the Apple Mail app, uh, meaning whatever domain, whatever email service you're using, as long as you're opening it in that app, we can't track your actions. Which, like, that's that's going to be really tough for us, obviously, because we base a lot on, you know, the recency of opens or inflows, um, conditional splits based on opens, things like that. We're obviously going to have to go to clicks at this point, which the amount of data we get comparatively is maybe 20%, right? So um, it's going to be pretty minimal. I heard someone calling opens a vanity metric. And I'm like, really? Like, you know, I, I, I've, I've heard I've heard people say that, that it, it isn't as, as valuable as a click necessarily. But in an in an industry when you're living on these low percentages of, of clicks generally, right. um, you know what I mean? Like you, that canary in the coal mine has been hu- is hugely valuable. So it's good. It's going to be a bigger change for sure. Yeah, and, and as far as it being a vanity metric, I can see where they're coming from in a few instances. Uh, let's say you're on your phone, you open your email, and you're swiping to delete. Every time you're swiping, you're still opening those emails. So if, if somebody's just deleting your email, they're still firing the pixel that says that it was opened, which is still going back to Clavio and saying, okay, well, this person's in- interested, right? Mm. Um, so using, uh, obviously, clicks activity on site, things like that are going to be a lot more um, prevalent in, you know, the next potentially tomorrow, who knows, um, September 2nd today. Uh, but we, we really don't know how far Apple is going to go with this, right? Like, obviously, they're already blocking all of Facebook. They're starting to block email. Are they going to block everything in Safari browsers? Are they, You know what I mean? Like they have, uh, like, this is a very clear play for Apple on building their own ad platform and maybe monetizing their email a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, until then, we're, we're basing everything on email. We've already built out all of our segments for all of our customers to make sure that we have the data. Um, and Let's if- dive in there. Let's dive in there. Julie, I don't know if you want to dive in on like what, what you, we talked a little bit about pre-segmentation as one of the best ways that people can prepare um, for this loss of data. What, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, just think like if if you can isolate the people who you're going to have the most wild variances on the data um, with and and segment them out and send to them separately for your regular campaigning, um, that's probably just one of the best ways that you can prepare uh, for the changes that are coming. So uh, what that means is like right now, just really quickly, for instance, um, the the male privacy protection is more or less uh, universal, right? But there's a few other features that will only be um, that will only be implemented for i paid iPhone uh, account users, uh, and th- that's about thirty percent of all Apple Mail users, which is the hide my email, Safari hide my IP address, and the private relay functions. Um, so the best way that we can make sure that we're keeping some solidarity with the data that we can control is by just segmenting out. Uh, the Apple users from from the regular uh, from the other like providers, and that way, when you're 
when you're looking at your metrics, you're not going to get a, a massive, massive variance in your open rates and and crazy, uh, you know, crazy data coming from the rest of those uh, inbox providers. You'll be getting clean data from them, and then you can safely assume that the data from that other segment uh, is going to be, you know, much less reliable, but also containable. And just so you don't have people freaking out when when you see, oh man, my 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 open rates just took this huge dive. It could lead you to all these other potentially bad business decisions. So pre-segment ahead of time so you can really contain, uh, you know, the perception of damage. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, that that mailing individually as well, right? Like mailing those the people that use Apple Mail independent of everybody else. You're going to have obviously horrible open rates. But your click rates and your 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 purchases are going to be relatively the same, right? So, you, like you said, stop you from making bad business decisions. When iOS 14 originally came out, there were people running $30,000 a day in a campaign on Facebook that would completely stop that because now there's no data when, if they're just looking at their site, nothing changed, right? Yeah. Your optimization might change, obviously, because the data isn't reporting back to Facebook as, as much as it was, but... You know, uh, as long as you're prepared for it, then you'll be better off. I've told this story on the podcast before, but one time I took a taxi cab to Cambodia uh, and this guy was clearly hepped up on some sort of uh, something. And this guy was drifting around corners uh, in it, creating these huge dust clouds. We couldn't see anything. He's drifting around corners through this like jungle road to Cambodia. And as we'd go through these huge dust clouds, he just slam his finger on the windshield and he'd drive to his thumb, which feels a little bit like marketing these days. Like literally he'd just be like, he'd know where the road was. He'd point <laughs> to it with his thumb and he'd drive to his thumb right in front of his face so when you lose visibility sometimes right. you just gotta you gotta keep going yeah exactly we gotta get a training program from that guy yeah, right. i'm glad i could tell that story and um but to be clear let's let's be clear here we're not just talking about apple mail users right we're talking about anyone on an apple device uh potentially anyone on an apple device using an apple um app yeah okay yeah if you're on gmail but you're but you're using your your ios device uh you won't you won't be as uh, affected by it. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, I think uh, this was super helpful here. I wanted to end with a, a, a story of subject lines. I don't know if anyone who's listening received the newsletter this week. We did a, we did a subject line experiment to see just to, by putting something kind of funny into our newsletter. Uh, Tyler, you may have saw it. We, we said, uh, it smells like updog in here. And uh, it's interesting. I, it, it was clever. I think it was it was our head of content decided to do that. I got several emails from people saying, what's up, dog? Which really uh, made my day because I got to say, not much, dog. Uh, what's up with you? Um, but it wasn't at, like a hugely valuable experiment, I would say. So I can report that from from subject lines. Anything in the world of subject lines that you guys are loving these days? What do you got, Dill? I'm trying to remember, like, this is not from our clients, but I'm trying to remember, um, one of the, one of the better email campaigns that I've ever seen was during Barack Obama's like presidential campaign. Uh, now obviously you're going to have the, um, celebrity of Barack Obama. If you get an email and it looks like it's a personalized email from Barack Obama, like you're going to open that email. Uh, but I just remember how blind he was in everything that he sent which always kind of spoke to me. Um, so I'm looking at uh, all of his subject lines from May 10th, 2011 to um, August 9th. And it's like, they're so basic, like dinner question mark, hey, uh, if you're ready. And this is what we talk about all the time is, is the subject only has to sell the open. The subject doesn't have to sell the product, right? Sell the open, 
the headline in the email can sell the body content, the body content sells the click, and then let the page, let your website sell the product, right? So it's just like this escalating uh, process that we go through. So if you have these, let, let's say we use our highly engaged um, audiences quite a bit. So anybody that's you know shown any sort of interest in the brands recently, um, but if you have those segments, send blind emails to them, right? Like try blind headlines just to see what the engagement rates look like. As you build those engagement rates, you're building those those highly engaged segments as well, right? So it's just like a, a, a self-perpetuating cycle. So uh, that's that's what I loved. What, what do you mean blind? So it's just not relevant to the content necessarily. Got it. It's, um, it, yeah, it's just wide open, like, hey, or rain check was another one, or meet me for dinner, or... I don't get to tell you this enough. Like, obviously these are specific to his campaign, but you can, you can have those relative to your, your brand, right? Whether it's a clothing brand totally. or anything. And then, and then you're creating a, a, you're creating a mismatch there too, right? Like you're creating, oh, this is coming from Barack Obama, this presidential candidate, and he's asking me to dinner. He's being super casual. So right. that's sort of like that mismatch. Yeah, creates, of course it, it, know, it's going to be interest. a pattern interrupt for sure. And especially if, if you're a fan of a brand, uh, like let's take, take all birds, take any DTC brand right now. Um, if that brand sends you a message that looks like it's personalized, you're going to open that email, right? So take, for example, his dinner question mark. This may not be the best example, but dinner question mark was his subject line. If you get that from Nugs, right? Like that, that may be enough of a pattern interrupt to have, you know, a 50, 60% open rate on a campaign. I don't know, obviously, but, um, I remember when he did these, they were like, they were crazy back in the day because nobody had had an email campaign during an election like that, right? Yeah. So, uh, sorry, that's that's where my mind went immediately. I did not expect to be digging up decades-old uh, political data on this podcast, but I'm really glad we did. I think there right. was something. Uh, I think there was something interesting there. So, yeah, uh, let's we'll, we'll, test it. It's the most political we've been in a while. So let's let's leave it there. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. I think my my favorite um, my favorite. Subject lines right now are, are, are pretty question based. And one of the best ones uh, that I saw was literally like, did you miss my last email? And it, and it's just like, you, you're, you're instantly like, what? No, I didn't even get an e Like, when was the last email from you? And then you have to like go in and check that this email, like, and it's, can, and like Dylan said, it can be completely on point or completely off point on the content. Um, and then the other one uh, was actually a, a call to action for a, a, an SMS opt-in. It was like, did you just get my text? And the, and you open it and it's to get you to opt in for their SMS program. And then like the, the headline was like, you didn't, but you could have. And I just loved that. Right. You know? like, it, it was really, yeah, it was really good. So yeah, a little the, cheeky. Yeah. The question yeah, like FOMO sort of related uh, subject lines are probably my Slightly favorite. needy, just a little needy. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Nice. All right. Well, thank you for sharing these amazing insights about the email, uh, the the world of email. I look forward to catching up again soon, and we can kind of see um, the the fruits of these of these sort of uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday uh, investments that people are making. And and if you're listening out there, now is the time to be to be running these types of things. Spin up a contest uh, and hit us up if you got any questions. We'd love to love to help. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.